I feel like there's a lot of conversations about like dream homes. And I think that's very exciting, but it's like, what about, you know, compromise? Like what are things that you need to take into account to actually make what you want and need a reality? Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello everyone, welcome to Imprint. I'm excited to share today's guest with you, Alison Morgan. She is a writer, photographer, folk herbalist and mother who shares her stories on her path to living a wild and wholehearted life. You may know her through her Instagram feed, which is how I came across her, Alison Simply Grows with AY. I'll put the link in the show notes. And she has recently brought out a book called Our Kindred Home, which covers personal recipes, herbal recipes on plant wisdom and seasonal rituals for rekindling connection with the earth. It's really her invitation to encourage us to develop an ecological awareness through daily practices. In slow living, slowing down, she says, we can connect to healing joy and solace to navigate these chaotic times. She has such a beautiful aesthetic, has really valuable insights to share into the creative process. We also discuss her recent home build and some of the lessons that she learned on that journey. Love her perspective on all of that. I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Alison Morgan. Hello, Alison. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today to talk all about you and your work and all of the things you do. I think it's really fascinating to, you know, I know you through Instagram. That's how I have um, come across you and your work. I think that's probably how so many people know you. But I think it's always interesting to kind of get a little bit more of the backstory of, you know, your journey and how you got to be where you are today. And we're going to touch on your new book, Kindred Home, which is incredibly beautiful. And I've recently been reading through that. And I know that there's a little bit of overlap, but for the listeners who haven't yet got a copy of the book, can you sort of fill us in a little bit about where you grew up, your childhood, and really that journey of, you know, to the point where you're finishing high school and then thinking about what are the next steps for you? Um, If you could fill us in, we'd love to hear more about that. Thank you again for having me on. Um, So I grew up in California. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, I spent a lot of my um, childhood kind of commuting back and forth in in the Bay. Um, And I was always fascinated with the landscapes. Um, kind of, you know, watching the rolling hills or, you know, the ocean, the Pacific Ocean out of the, the car window. Um, and I found myself really drawn into the natural world as a child. Um, 
my father, uh, he, he went to college for art. And so when I was younger, he spent a lot of time, um, taking me outside to, to look at, uh, textures and colors and perspectives and spend a lot of time, um, teaching me how to draw and paint. And I remember as a young girl, I would go through his like art box and use all of his, you know, special pencils and, um, pastels and, um, that thread really, you know, followed me throughout grade school. I spent a lot of time in art classes. Um, and so that really honed my perspective, kind of shaped how I saw the world, um, was through this, this lens of beauty, really. Um, and I felt really compelled, um, to, to try to capture it in in the ways that I could. And so when I was younger, I had a lot of time to, to draw and paint. Uh, watercolor was one of my favorite mediums. Um, and so I think what you see today is kind of that's that spirit, that passion that I've had. Um, since I was a really young girl, uh, but in photography, right? So um, I went to high school and spent still a lot of time um, in art rooms. And I, I often say this to people, it was kind of like, that was where I, I hid in a way, um, was because it was really comfortable, right? Like I knew I was good at it. I really enjoyed it. It was, it was therapeutic. Um, but I did, I wasn't out of my comfort zone, um, in, in art. And, um, in high school, I had a car accident and, um, that was really a pivotal moment for me. Um, you know, emotionally and physically as a, as a 16 year old, I, you know, I broke my leg and I was in the hospital for some time and, um, I, you know, had to recover. I had to kind of learn how to walk. And, um, I really found this, uh, this moment inside of me that was like, okay, what, what more is there? Um, and I really started to kind of question, um, and just kind of like dive deeper into, uh, spirituality, um, and just like ask bigger questions of myself. Um, and so I went into college and I was going to major in art because that was the comfortable thing to do for me. Um, and then I decided to, to shift my major. And that was really, um, this moment of trying to, to connect with my roots. So my mother, uh, is, was an immigrant, is an immigrant from Haiti. And, um, I've never been to Haiti and, um, she moved when she was seven to New York, um, and, you know, assimilated really quickly into American culture and society and, um, you know, my dad is American. And so 
we didn't, you know, she didn't teach me the language and I didn't have a lot of exposure to this place. And for me, place is such a, a, an important like rooting element, right? Like the way a place feels and the plants and the landscapes. And there was this place that, um, you know, I come from that I had no connection to. Um, and I decided that I was going to take a different route. Um, and I decided to major in international relations. Um, and the school that I went to is UC Davis um, in California. And this major was really a whole bunch of different lenses looking at um, global capitalism and its effects on people and the planet. And it was really through this that I, I, I understood myself and like located myself in this larger system. Um, it was like, how was I, how was I this girl in California? Like, how did my mother come from Haiti? And like, what were the elements that like brought me into being? Um, and it, it just shifted and deepened the way I saw the world, right? Like I grew up really kind of, it, you know, I, I wouldn't say that art and beauty is shallow or surface level, but, um, I really began to understand, uh, just the way that systems that were affecting me were interlocking and, it really just compelled me even more to want to um, to protect this beautiful planet that we all inhabit together. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious because obviously, you know, that is a very um, different, let's say, subject matter in some ways, you know, international relations and, and all of that exploration of, you know, the self and people and capitalism and all of that to say, you know, you said you love doing watercolors. Did you maintain your art practice through those years or was it like all, you know, all of your energy and attention and you were sort of consumed with that kind of those ideas and that world or I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of, and then how did you then come back to more of this creative side of yourself? Um, I don't think that I, neglected it. Um, I, I remember there was one kind of, um, drawing that I did. Um, and I think it was, yeah, it must've been an undergraduate, uh, art class. And it was of like, I'd seen this picture in the news of children standing on a trash pile and it was just like this this these human faces these lives these people and they were surrounded by you know trash that was exported or you know from the united states to another country and it was like it was just shocking to me, but also like I wanted to capture it. So I really feel like there is this overlap between being able to capture something 
and also like explore the depths and the the shadows and um these deeper threads and so um for me after uh after college my husband and I moved um to the midwest um we you know I in my in my degree I got really interested in um kind of ways you know I was learning about these like capitalist systems and I became interested in ways to divest from that and so I became really interested in like organic farming and what that meant you know to have you know agricultural workers you know not being exposed to pesticides and pesticides not going into our waterways and you know what that means is like a college student to go and shop at the farmers market and um I got I got became interested in what it would be like to grow my own food or you know to make my own bread to have a garden like what are some of the ways that we can kind of take uh the sovereignty and power back from this really expansive system that kind of pervades a lot of our our lives and um we you know move to the midwest and I start to to think a little bit more deeply about this um and I have you know I I have children my daughter Magnolia was born and um you know, there was one part of me that kind of wanted to forget everything that I had learned um, and just kind of be like, I'm going to just live in this bubble. And I, I just want to have, you know, be immersed in motherhood. And, and then I was looking at my daughter and I was like, what is her life going to look like in 15 years if all of these predictions about climate change are, are real? And what is, what are we leaving for, for them and th that generation? Um, and so I felt like I really couldn't escape this, this knowing that I had this knowledge that I'd gained. Um, and I decided that it, I wanted to reach out to other people. And that was kind of how I started, um, an Instagram account was just, um, new motherhood and feeling like, are there other people out there that are also um, feeling the urgency of this, but also wanting to balance, you know, that with, um, I don't know, for me, it was just like, you can participate in activism, but also you can get burnt out from it. And so where is there a balance? Where can we find uh, ways to, to advocate on the day to day? Um, and so I started my Instagram account, which I felt was just such a blend between the art part of myself in that you're taking pictures, right? Um, and so photography became the medium for my art. Um, and then, you know, the means of connection to other people, as well as writing, right? And, and exploring that as, um, a means of activism. Yeah, I, I think of when you say that, it reminds me of um, there's a there's the book Atomic Habits. I'm, I don't know if you've read that one or not by James Clear. And he has this idea, this concept of small, consistent action over time compounds. 
And that is often, you know, one of the, the most effective way to create any kind of change in your life. But I would sort of suggest that it's also in the world too. You know, it's sometimes we can do those big things and it can feel obviously really good and important, but I think it's those small, consistent daily actions that we can all take that can really sort of help the current situation and, and move us forward. And I think that's kind of one of those really, um, yeah, it kind of ties in with what you're saying there. So I, I'm curious then, um, did you study, because I mean, your your Instagram feed is, the, the photography is just so beautiful. And did you study photography at all? Or are you self-taught? And, you know, were you initially just using your phone when you started Instagram and then you started to upskill? Or I'm just kind of curious, because I feel like it's such a part of your expression on that platform. And, um, and I know that it's something that a lot of people struggle with is sort of, how can I sort of share my story in a visual way? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I never took a photography class. I've never taken a photography class. Um, I remember getting my first camera when I was in high school. So I, you know, had a little digital camera, um, that kind of supplemented my art. And when I would travel or, um, you know, I would snap pictures. Um, and yeah, that was kind of like the, before the advent of smartphones <laughs> to take pictures of things. Right. Um, and then I, uh, my husband and my mother and my mother-in-law, um, gifted me with, a a DSLR, like a Nikon camera, um, when my son was like one or two. And that was when I really started to, um, to explore, uh, photography as a medium. Um, and yeah, it was just really through kind of messing with my camera <laughs> playing around with the settings and the light in my house and the light outside and how the light changes throughout the seasons and, um, tuning into, um, kind of just the principles that I was taught as a really young child about, you know, light and perspective and composition and texture, you know, that, that I, that my dad imparted on me, um, was able to translate itself through, um, through to photography. Um, and it was also just kind of this, like, I didn't have to set up, uh, an easel or an art space, like away from my children's little hands, you know, I could, I could take photos with them and, um, it just, yeah, really also just like reconnected me to this, uh, this feeling of stillness within, um, taking the time to, to see nature, to see the world around me, to, to really engage with it, um, on a different level. And just to also see kind of the mundane moments in my life. Um, you know, when there is, you know, like the little squares you see on Instagram are obviously not it. Um, but there is so much beauty in those mundane moments. And, you know, when there's piles of laundry behind me, but the light is coming into my kitchen a certain way that I can capture 
and, you know, just ground and center myself. I wanted to, to share that with other people as well. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think you do that so beautifully and you obviously have an incredible eye because not only do you create these beautiful photos and um, I mean, your home is really beautiful the way that you have created it. I know that that's like a, a newer project for you um, and you write beautifully as well. So you kind of like, you know, sort of got this incredible skill set of things of a way to share and communicate with others. But I know that, you know, Instagram can be sometimes such a challenging place at times for a lot of people. And I'm just curious about your relationship with it. How do you choose to show up on that space? What do you choose to share? You know, what's your intention behind it? And, um, you know, and how do you stay inspired by it, I guess, because I, I know personally myself, I definitely go through periods where I feel so disengaged from it and I feel so frustrated with it. And, um, it's very easy at the moment. It feels like to fall out of love with Instagram. So I'm just curious about your relationship with it and how you stay, um, you know, inspired or, you know, motivated to show up on that space. Yeah, it's, um, you, I think you had, you might've said this earlier was just that, you know, what, where I am now is like, not where I've always been. And, um, this, I think my creative life has always, it's always felt like a very personal, um, piece of myself, but something, but there's something that compels me to want to share. And that sharing hasn't always come easy. Um, and it is a struggle for me, um, to share my work and my words. And so Instagram for me, um, in terms of writing and sharing was really kind of a project that started, um, with my therapist suggesting that I do that. I think I had started and stopped like writing a blog, um, two or three times. My husband always likes to remind me of this. He'd be like, do you remember you would start a blog and then you'd write two posts and then you wouldn't share the link with anyone or let anyone know that you had written anything. Um, and so my therapist was like, well, what if you could show up to a space like Instagram and just write whatever that caption limit is, right? 150 like characters or words. Um, and like, you know, a little bit at a time and kind of build up like you're talking about, like the little actions over time. And so for me, it was this place of engaging um with my friends and family that I'd left back home in California, but also to create new community. Um, and, and it was a project of overcoming my own fears and putting myself out there in ways that were uncomfortable, but necessary for me to grow as a, as a person. Um, and so, you know, my relationship to Instagram is is almost like it's like this journal. It's a it's a way to keep myself accountable to um to to show up for myself, but also to connect with other people. Um and I think that is what keeps me coming back despite its 
I don't know, the mayhem that it can kind of create, like uh, the algorithms or, you know, just the fluctuations and is just kind of um, reminding myself what it means to me as being kind of the the foremost um, function and purpose behind it is to, you know, to keep to keep that practice um, of of authenticity and just kind of showing up and sharing myself and connecting with others. And and so, do you set boundaries around Instagram for yourself in terms of? Um, you know, how much time you spend on there or, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, how, how much do you plan out in terms of mm-hmm. like, I guess the structure of it. I, I just think sometimes that can be helpful for other people to, to know, to sort of pull back the curtains a little bit behind your process. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I try to, you know, um, put the app down on the weekends when I can. And when the kids come home from school, um, it's become, you know, more of a, of a business venture as well, you know, for me. So I do find myself on there more often than I would like, but, um, I, I try to plan out content. Um, I, I use my notes kind of app on my phone when, topics or things that I want to share quotes come up. Um, and I kind of keep track of them there and then pair them with, um, some of my favorite photos that I've snapped or, um, and, you know, I, I try to at least plan, I'd say a good, like 25 to 35% of content beforehand, but also allowing myself that freedom to like not post if I'm not feeling it or share something completely um, spontaneous as well, um, which is, I think, what keeps it feeling, um, yeah, like an authentic and honest expression of myself is uh, allowing, allowing that room um, to to, to share what, what is, what inspires me or political events that are happening or social, you know, social movements. And, um, for me, you know, during what was happening here in the United States in 2020, um, it was just such a vehicle for sharing about, um, current events and, opening our eyes to experiences that were happening, um, to other people. And so I think, you know, there, there has to be a balance for sure. Um, in relationship to all social media. Um, but I think, you know, for me, most of my time is spent outside, um, with my kids and hiking and in my garden, um, and and that is what I do love to share on there as well. So there are very, you know, there are very real uh, limits that I put on myself in terms of accessing social media um, to, to maintain a healthy um, relationship. I wanted to ask you actually about your plants, because obviously that is um, something that comes up a lot 
in your feed, you know, you're sort of sharing, um, you know, recipes and food and, and that's obviously a big feature of your book, Kindred Home, which is now available. Can you share your journey to sort of learning about plants and why you love them and, and how they help you in your life? Sure, of course. Um, yeah, I think, you know, our Kidron home is really uh, this expression of um, the interconnectedness between our, this earth that we all share, our bodies, our homes, um, are all uh, interwoven. Um, and, you know, I started to understand that a little bit in um, my education, but it wasn't until I was out in um, in the garden that I really uh, was able to kind of embody that, that knowledge. Um, and so uh, we moved, my husband and I moved to the Midwest um, into a city originally, and then we decided that we wanted to move out to the country. Um, and so we um, spent some time looking for a place in the country and weren't able to find exactly what we were looking for, but knew we wanted to make that move um, to a little bit of a slower lifestyle and pace. And so we um, we bought this little cottage, uh, downsized um, from our you know, our home. And what I fell in love with was this garden. And so this garden that, um, we were so grateful to have, and, you know, our kids spent five years there, um, growing up and learning from the plants was planted by an herbalist. So she used this garden for her own like apothecary and her herbal practice. And she grew a lot of her food there, Um, you know, which was goals that we had for ourselves. Um, so there were a lot of perennial gardens planted and, um, an apple tree and really old grapevines. And so, um, I really felt like I was just gifted this journey, um, from moving into this little home. Um, and so I spent, I'd say the last five years really diving into that realm, um, and so I've always kind of had uh, an affinity for plants, like growing up in California, like ro- like huge hedges of rosemary and lavender and the redwood trees. Like these were all things that really called to me, um, but I never really understood uh, the you know the biochemical properties or healing aspects of plants until we moved into this house. And, um, I had a couple friends in, in our local community that were herbalists. And, you know, at first I was just kind of overwhelmed. It was just, there were like a hundred species of plants and I didn't really know any of them. Um, and so I bought a field guide. I, you know, I've got a couple secondhand books about plants and just really took my time, um, learning their names, what they did, um, slowly, you know, incorporating them into um, our day-to-day, making teas, um, learning how to make a tincture. I remember I was so nervous, um, but I decided to make a lemon balm tincture. So I had mowed over this patch of grass 
but it actually was lemon balm kind of creeping into it. And I just remember smelling this really like fragrant citrusy smell. And so I got like my little plant book out and I identified it and I was like, okay, the, you know, the old owner had said that there was lemon balm over here and I think it's spread. And so I, I flipped a whole bunch of it. Um, and I looked in the book and I figured out how to make a tincture and it was sitting on my shelf. It sat on the shelf for six months. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know if I'm going to poison somebody. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Did I make it right? Um, and it was winter time. It was like January. And I was looking at an herbal book and it was talking about lemon balm for, you know, the midwinter blues. And I was like, okay, maybe it's time to try it. So like I took a couple drops, you know, on my tongue and, and I gave some to my husband and we're like, okay, are we all right? Like <laughs> we, we didn't poison ourselves. We're okay. And then I just turned to that lemon balm tincture for the rest of that winter. And it was just such a light. It was just this, this sense of ease that kind of flooded over my body. And it was then I felt like less afraid of exploring the plant realm, but also really understanding its potency um, that, you know, plants can be our allies in times of need. And I think even going back to uh, my undergraduate, right, like plants support our existence. Um, uh, I was actually playing this song for uh, my kids yesterday because I had remembered listening to it um, on a field trip when I was maybe eight years old, like the age of my daughter now. And we went to this farm um, in the Santa Cruz mountains on a field trip and they played this song, Dirt, You Made My Lunch, right? Like our milk, our bread, our peanut butter sandwiches um, comes from the dirt, right? So plants um, are really this kind of like unsung hero. We don't think about it, but just like the food we eat is plants and, you know, the medicine and our clothing and our homes come from this, um, from the earth. And so how can we as, um, you know, as beings that live here, honor and get to know what is in our ecosystems and our bioregions. I think for me, that is maybe one of the most powerful things we can do to um, protect the planet is knowing what is in our own, you know, homes and areas. And there is that feedback loop that as you give attention to it, it also feeds you, you know, in these very physical, but also, um, spiritual ways. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I, I mean, for a start, I love the fact that, you know, you inherited in some way, this amazing garden and that, like you say, it became a gift to you in so many ways and opened up this, this new chapter for you to explore. And, um, as, as we've sort of touched on, you know, you share recipes in the book. Uh, I had to smile because when I was looking through the pages, you've got a section about nettle. And I went to see a, um, a naturopath a, a little while ago and I was trying to get my cortisol levels down. And anyway, she sort of said nettle tea and it's sitting in the cupboard and I haven't, I haven't had like nettle tea. And I was like, I saw all these recipes. I thought I'm going to have to use these recipes and get this nettle. 
into action. Right. Um, but there are, there are so many different things. And I think for us as a family, um, we live on a property, it's two acres and one of the, you know, the blessings of of the kind of COVID pandemic shutdown, lockdown period was that we spent so much time in our garden and um, all the children really learned so much about it. And I do think that's a beautiful gift for your children as well. Um, so I wanted to ask you about the book in a little bit more detail now. We've touched on it a few times. And, you know, as we've said, it's got these beautiful recipes and, um, you know, it explains a lot about the plants and, and how they can help you in your health and well-being. But it's also a very personal book. And I was actually slightly taken aback. I wasn't expecting that, you know, when I sort of opened like the, the initial opening um, introduction. And I, I say this as somebody who, I mean, I've written four books now and it's been obviously, you know, you everyone creates a book for a very different reason. And for me, I struggle to put myself in a book. You know, for me, it's my books about the home and, and all of that, which is obviously a different sort of topic matter in a way. But I was curious for you, what was your intention in writing this book? Did, did you start out wanting to share a personal journey or did that come about in an unexpected way for you? Um, I think that for me, there is not, there's no teasing, teasing that out or leaving it out. Um, because it's been so fundamental in uh, in my journey with plants um, was that 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 story that's in the beginning of the book about my experience um, and how I was able to weave all of those experiences together came from the time I spent with plants. Um, and, you know, I, I've had years of therapy and many conversations with, you know, friends and my husband and I, never quite understood myself so fully um, as when I'm outside and in the garden and planting seeds and picking herbs and um, being immersed in that. I, I truly come home to myself. And um, in that coming home, there is a lot of things that I have pushed down throughout my experience on this earth, right? A lot of um, pain and hurts and a lot of things that came up that like I felt like uh, maybe even weren't mine, right? Like ancestral things. Um, and I think there's a certain level of kind of like numbness that we can experience. Um, throughout our lives and like the plants really held me as I processed that. Um, and I, 
what I think I like realized is that we all are carrying things. We're all carrying that, our own experiences in that way. Um, and those experiences can connect us with each other or they can become conflict, right? Um, and conflict, not saying in a bad way, but I think that if we are too, um, to, to get, to pull ourselves together, to kind of stand up to this looming crisis that is pervading. I mean, I think, you know, I don't think anybody can deny that climate, the climate crisis and climate change and ecological devastation is happening. Um, and I think there are various reasons why we as a species can't confront it at this time in the way that we need to. And I think some of that is this personal work um, that needs to be healed and that we need to do. Um, and so I really felt like it, it felt just like, I don't know, it's kind of gut-wrenching to write some of those things, right? To be so deeply vulnerable and to get so personal. Um, but it all felt like things that like I needed to say and share with other people so that they could sit with their own um, experiences. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, that was my experience of reading it and um I mean, for those who are listening and, you know, I don't want to sort of put the wrong words out there, but, you know, I mean, you're sort of sharing your experience of, um, I mean, I, I don't know, if, is this right to say like a, a colored or a, a black woman growing up in America, your experience of that, the ancestral trauma and, um, but also some very personal experiences of how that kind of came out in other ways through your teenage years and some other experiences. And I mean, obviously you just have to get the book to, to read it, but, but my, um, <laughs> my, um, but my experience of that is, I mean, for, for a start, it was, um, I mean, so many things. One was like, wow, you're so brave to share such a personal story because personally myself, like I really struggle to share anything that is, is that kind of raw, if you know what I mean? And and so I really was like, wow, that is so brave to do that. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel like it really, like you say, it really opens this connection of such admiration um, that you can share that. And also then also like a, an opening of the eyes as well. You know, we've had Obviously, like you were saying, sort of during the kind of whole time of the Black Lives Matters movement and, you know, there was so much discourse and discussion and, um, you know, sort of good intentions about so much. But it's, you know, as with everything, you know, there's a lot of a momentum at a particular time and then, you know, people kind of get back into their lives. And it was kind of like this beautiful reminder of like, you know, yes, this is obviously still so pertinent and um, well, that was my experience. I mean, obviously I can't, I can't speak for, for other people, but I, you know, it is a really important conversation to, to have. And, and, you know, within, like you say, it's, it's like this, it's the personal, but the personal is global, the personal is political, you know, and all of those different 
elements weave together. And, um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's a really important book for people to read in that sense, as well as a beautiful book and a beautiful resource. And, um, yeah, I mean, can you just share a little bit of the backstory to creating the book? Was that something that a publisher approached you or you felt something within you that you wanted to tell the story and wanted to create this type of book? Um, I think there was a little bit of both. You know, recently we moved into our house and I had gone through um, a stack of notebooks because that's kind of how I start anything is just writing a list or writing intentions or um, uh, scribbling things. And I found there were pieces of this book in notebooks going back like seven years, right? Um, and the book itself was my uh, journey in piecing those important elements together, um, as well as trying to create something that I felt um, I could leave behind for my children as kind of a guide. Um, you know, something that like I wished that I had from my mother and my grandmother was a certain kind of um, knowing and knowledge and um, how to leave that for them, but also um, a seed for other people, like spreading seeds of, you know, like you don't have to resonate with everything that is written in there. Um, but like you're saying, like nettle is in your cabinet and you open that book and we're like, oh, I need, I need nettle, you know, like being that reminder to, to connect, um, to the plants, to nourish yourself, to nourish your community, um, to, to advocate for, you know, your ecosystem to, to learn ways to connect, um, to the wider world to connect to yourself, right? There's a lot about um, following that inner knowing, which was was a huge um, journey for me um, to listen to my own knowledge, even though it kind of goes against the grain in many ways, was like valuing myself, um, and valuing that little whisper of um, something. And so I, I, I wanted to weave together um, what I found to be healing. Um, and yeah, I was also approached um, to write a book. Um, and so this book really was... It was kind of, it came at a convergence of different factors. Um, and it was, I think it's a little like unconventional, but I also was um, piecing together, uh, you know, a puzzle for myself. Yeah, well, you've done it beautifully. Now, before I get onto the last questions that I ask everyone of the podcast, I do have to ask you about your home because what you've created is really beautiful. And um, 
can you just share a little bit about your journey to kind of creating this home? Because you built that from the ground up. Is that correct? Or am I? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So can you just share a little bit about that journey of why you decided to do that and maybe some of the biggest lessons that you learned? Because I know that so many people who listen to this podcast love interiors, love creating a home. You know, what were some of your big takeaways from that project? What are you really happy that you did in terms of the design or the space? And um, yeah, any lessons? Um, Yeah, so we've lived here now for about a month. (laughs) So... (laughs) I think that last question, there's we're still teasing that out, right? What what would we do differently? Or um, I also am a huge fan of interior design. Um, my mother has worked for Crate and Barrel for since before I was born, and so I kind of feel like I grew up inside of a Crate and Barrel. Um, and you know, I think that sensibility of uh, the sensibility of beauty and, you know, the natural world. I feel that inside my home, right? Like spaces really inform how you feel and how you operate. And, um, I really held that in mind, how, how I wanted this home to feel, um, to the people who visit, to my family, to, our children and, and kind of the routines. And so, um, like I said, we had lived in Milwaukee for some years and moved, uh, to more rural, um, Wisconsin. And we lived in that home for five years. And, um, you know, my husband had always kind of wanted to move to the country and, Growing up in the Bay Area, California, I was kind of like, what do you mean move to the country, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know what that, I don't know if I'm, I'm made for that, right? Like, Californian in the Midwest. So I, you know, I kind of put this timeline on um, our living in this little cottage, right? We knew we needed more space. Um, but I kind of wanted to make sure that, like, we could do what we wanted to do on, you know, less than an acre in town, right? Like, are we going to garden and like have chickens? And like, can we actually do that before we decided to like take this like bigger leap? Um, and so, yeah, we lived there for a good four years and we're kind of like, okay, I think we want to like dive into this and, um, to this like new journey. And it was kind of like what we always had in our mind's eye. Um, was to live in like an old farmhouse and um we were going to purchase when we first moved here we were going to purchase the old farmhouse of a a dear family friend who had just passed away and we came so close to purchasing this farmhouse um and we realized that one of the like the the yard was up against a field and um we called the farmer who owned that field and asked if they sprayed pesticides and you know they said yes they spray a couple of times and um that became like a really big thing for us was like thinking about you know in our home we try to you know buy organic things for our children like an organic mattress for them when they were babies and you know we try our best to limit that exposure in, in so many ways, but yet we were going to 
have the place where they play be right next to a sprayed cornfield, which is kind of inescapable here in the Midwest, right? It's kind of everywhere. Um, And so that delayed that dream for a while as we tried to figure it out. So um, it was around, it was 2020, January of 2020, we decided that we were going to look for um, some land or a farmhouse. And um, we kind of saw a couple houses and they didn't quite work for us or they were, you know, near sprayed fields. And so we were kind of like, I don't know if we should do this or not. Um, and right as COVID happened, we, um, this, this piece of land came, came up on the, um, the MLS listings and, uh, you know, shutdown happened and we came out here and social distanced with the realtor and, Um, there's an organic dairy farm on one side of the property and Amish on the other side, and they don't use conventional, um, pesticides in their farming practices. And so we kind of just made this leap, um, to purchase this land. It felt right. Um, and then we spent a couple of years getting to know this property before we decided to to build um, this house. And so we, we spent a good year and a half designing it with um, our builder, who was, who's a father um, at our daughter's school. Um, and yeah, we, we really, you know, like some of the first questions about it was like, what do you want to see out of the windows? You know, like what room do you want facing what? And I, and I really wanted the kitchen to face our old oak tree so that I could see it. You know, there's this tree on the property that I did this um, dating on where you measure the, you know, the circumference of the trunk and the, the diameter of the trunk and the circumference of the crown. And you, you know, look at the growth factor for that type of tree. And I, this tree is maybe around 218 years old. Um, just this really grand oak tree. And I kind of wanted a view of that from all of the rooms. And my daughter wakes up early in the morning. So she wanted her room to face the sunrise and my son stays up late and he wanted to see the moon set. And so, you know, we really just thought about how we wanted to live in this space. Um, as we were designing it and went through maybe five iterations of floor plans. Um, we shrunk the house a bit, um, as here, you know, inflation and things like that and trying to stay within a budget. Um, and, um, I think some of the lessons that I've learned about the process is, uh, I feel like there's a lot of conversations about like dream homes. Um, and I think that's very exciting, but it's like, what about, you know, compromise? Like what are, what are things that you need to take into account to actually make, uh, what you want and need a reality, um, versus kind of like having like really extravagant ideas, um, which I think is really, you know, it can be hard with, spaces like Instagram or Pinterest to see something and be like, how do I achieve that? You know, in reality, there's so many factors that go, that go into that. Um, and 
yeah, like right now is like some of our rooms aren't like, you know, completely finished or like furnished and just understanding that this all takes time. Um, it's, it's a really long process, uh, and really kind of zeroing in on what is important, um, to you in living in a space and how you want it to make you feel and how you want it to inform your family's rhythms and, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that so much. I think that when you're creating a home, it's very much about creating a foundation that you can build upon. And because a home is never created in an instant. I mean, it's always, you know, it's evolving and it has to adjust as your children grow older. I mean, I've got now a son who's almost 15 and, you know, all of these different things kind of come into play in terms of how your family dynamic changes and all of those things. But I still think it's, it's great to have, if you can create a foundation that feels good to you and then you can finish off certain rooms or add more furniture or add whatever details. But um, if you've got that as a, a starting point, then I feel like you're setting yourself up for future success. So yeah, it's really interesting to yeah. hear about your perspective on that. You know, uh, you know we tried uh, to make the new feel old. I kind of wanted it to feel lived in and like well-worn so that when we live in it, it's not like, oh, you broke, so, you know, like, or you're scratching the floor. Like it feels like lived in already, um, you know, and I like, I grew up in apartments my whole life. Like my, my parents still, you know, live in apartments. And so this home is really something for me that I hope to like leave for my children so that they have like roots um, and that this is like, I don't know, an heirloom in our, in our family and our, um, and just kind of a place for my family, um, and AJ's family to gather and be together. So. That's a beautiful idea. An heirloom for a home or home is an heirloom. I love that. Um, okay. I'm going to ask you some questions that I ask everyone on okay. the podcast. And, um, uh -oh. so I hope, I hope you're ready. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. So the first one that I ask people, which is tends to be the tricky one, but I think it's the one I keep it and I persist with it because I feel like it, it really does, um, give such an insight into somebody and their personality and, and your personal characteristics. So the first one is which five words best describe you? Okay. Five. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say persistent, <laughs> um, patient, uh, flexible, um, uh, earthy. I don't know. I love my hands in the soil. I love to be bare feet, like be outside in the earth. Um, how many was that? Four? Do I need Four? one more? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I would say like honest. I tried. Yeah. Honest. Yeah. Okay. Well done. You did it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not so hard. <laughs> um, what's the best lesson you've learned? In my whole life? <laughs> yeah. 
Can, can you the not just whip that out of the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or one of them. Okay. Uh, I would say one of the best lessons that I've learned um, is to to keep trying. Um, that even, like, even when you think something has failed, there is wisdom in it. Um, yeah, I think that that would be it. Yeah, and that ties in with your persistence. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your proudest achievement? Um, I'd say my proudest achievement uh, are my children. Beautiful. What's been your best decision? My best decision, I think, would be um, I think moving to the Midwest. I think leaving leaving everything I do to like go on this crazy adventure. Um, it really just shifted so much in my life. I've got to ask you, I'm really curious about this because I'm obviously in Australia and um, I mean, America, I know certain areas and I'm familiar with obviously San Francisco or California and mm -hmm. the, the Midwest is like this enigma to it. So, I mean, did you guys move there because of, of work or like what, what's the, the appeal of the Midwest? Can you sort of shine a little bit of a light on that area for those of, you know, there's a lot of international listeners to this mm -hmm. podcast too. Yeah. So I, you know, I was born and raised in California and my husband and I met in college and he grew up here in um, Wisconsin where we live. Um, and I honestly did not know anything really about Wisconsin before I, I, I met him, you know, is I, I do feel like there's something about the coasts, you know, of the United States that are kind of like very, I don't just like you're kind of in your own bubble and in your own world. And unless you have to, you know, I really did not know um, much about the Midwest. And we moved here because he kind of wanted to come back and be closer to his family. Um, and, uh, in California, the, the home prices were insane and, um, you know, they're just the amount of people that live in California. And I was really curious about, uh, embarking on a different kind of lifestyle. Um, it's a little bit of a slower pace. And so, um, that was kind of the allure for me. Um, and I had never lived in a place with four seasons before, really. You know, California, especially in the Bay Area where I grew up, was like just kind of temperate year round. And so I experienced my first winter here, fall with the changing colors, the excitement of spring. Um, 
just, you know, beautiful landscapes and rolling hills. And um, I, I found something uh, awakened in myself living with the seasons and living so seasonally here. Um, yeah, and it's a slower pace and people are really down to earth and, um, you know, there's a sense of community. Yeah, because I think from what I can gather, I feel like California is quite similar to a lot of the east coast of Australia or Australia in general, certainly the coastal areas, very similar climate. Uh, I think similar kind of, you know, socioeconomic background, you know, all of that type of thing. And so I was just curious about this Midwest that I, it's come up on my radar a few times. And as someone who mm -hmm. doesn't know a lot about it, I, I just thought it was a good opportunity to learn a little bit more. So I can, and like you say, I mean, you grew up in California and that was so much a part of you, you know, like living in that kind of um, environment and apartments and even the climate. I mean, that can be a big shock to the system if you're going from that to then, like you say, cold winters and, and all of that. For but sure. it's, it sounds like you've embraced it. I, I feel like you have to, right? Like, <laughs> um, you know, it was, you know, a couple of years ago uh, on my birthday, which is April 27th, it snowed. And like April 27th in California is like 78 degrees. Like it, <laughs> it's still eight years on is still a shock to my system every time it snows late April, you know, and you, you have to find, uh, you have to find the magic in it. You know, I remember the first year that I lived here and people would be like, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, California. And like, what are you doing here? And have you survived the winter? You know, and I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to survive, you know, um, it's a different, uh, it's a different lifestyle. And I think it really, uh, it also just makes you appreciate the other times of the year, um, so much more as you really just live into, uh, the moments and, um, and yeah, trying to embrace that, that seasonality. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for illuminating mm -hmm. that. You're for welcome. Me. <laughs> um, okay. Back to the questions. Who inspires you? Okay. Um, I, I'm inspired by a lot, a lot of people. I'm inspired by, um, a lot of writers, I think, um, you know, just people who take the time to uh, open up their minds and their hearts to share the knowledge that they've uh, gained in writing um, uh, Our Kindred Home. I was reading a lot of uh, Bell Hooks, um, and I was really inspired by her works. Um, yeah. Okay. I've heard her name and I haven't read her work, so I must look her up. Um, what are you passionate about? Um, I am passionate about the earth. I think um, I'm really passionate about inspiring people to step outside, to step away from their devices and computers and to cultivate a personal connection um, with 
whatever nature is available around them, even if it's just like a dandelion growing through the crack of your sidewalk, right? Is just like the bird outside your window. Just how do we cultivate um, a deeper regard for the other beings that we cohabitate with? What dream do you still want to fulfill? Um... Well, my dream this year is starting a garden <laughs> outside our construct. Our house was just constructed and um, it is currently a mud pit um, from being dug up. And I am dreaming of like a big garden um, to grow all, a lot of our food, uh, herbs and um, flowers. And so... I think the dream that I want to to live out is spending the next couple of years while my children are still relatively small, um, just playing and planning um, in the garden. I look forward to seeing that as you document it. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Um, what are you reading right now? What's What books are you on your bedside table or on your coffee table, either or? <laughs> Um, well, you know, we're still unpacking, but, um, I did dive into wintering, um, by Catherine May, um, this winter season. Um, so that's been on, you know, kind of by my side. And, um, I recently picked up a new book called, um, Saving Time, um, Discovering Life Beyond the Clock by Jenny O'Dell. Um, which has been a really um, interesting uh, read. Oh, great. I'll have to check that one out. Um, what are you listening to? Do you listen to podcasts? If not, do you, what about audiobooks or music? What, what do you like to listen to? Um, I will listen to an audiobook if, we're tra- if I'm traveling somewhere. Um, but primarily I listen to music. Um, I find it... it it helps me with kind of like the noise that's in my own head. Um, I like to like return to music uh, to find kind of creative inspiration. Um, and yeah, I listen to, I think, a, like a pretty wide range of music. Uh, when I'm feeling like stagnant in the winter, I love listening to like kind of like electronic, uh, like dance music, um, instrumental um, if I'm writing, um, Ludovico Enaudi, I don't know if I'm saying that correct, but, uh, is a more like modern classical, um, musician that I like to listen to. I love Adele. So yeah, I listen to mu- I listen to music, a lot of music. A good mix. Um, and finally, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Um, a piece of advice for my younger self, I think, would be to not be so afraid to be yourself, um, to not be afraid of being um, judged, because that was something that I struggled with a lot um, as a youth, and also to to enjoy being young. Um, I felt like I was really like excited and in a hurry to, to grow up. And, uh, I think 
that's something I tell my kids all the time too, is just like, enjoy your age, enjoy where you're at because it goes really fast. Yep. It certainly does. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast, for sharing about your story and your beautiful book. I encourage everyone to check it out. Also your Instagram feed. Um, so can you share, you know, for anyone who hasn't come across you or your work before, what are some of the best ways that they can find you and connect with you? Yeah, um, you can find me. Um, I have a journal um, on my website, um, www.allisonmorgan.com. Um, on Instagram, you can follow me at Allison Simply Grows. Um, and yep, you can find my book, uh, Our Kindred Home. Um, um, in the U S I believe anywhere books are sold. Yeah. I highly encourage everyone to do so. Um, and I should say it's Alison with a Y that's correct, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yes. Alison with (laughs) a Y. Yeah. We'll put the links in the show notes so anyone can follow along. So thank you again so much for joining me and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. <laughs>